Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church, where we talk about the intersection between Christ, church, and the contemporary culture around us. Today we have a super special guest, my man, David Daniel. How are you doing today? I'm great. Good to be here today. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of this. Oh, yeah. So David is... um, uh, what would you say the correct like title would be? I know you work with Christian Medical and Dental Association, right. but yeah, the title I usually use is Coordinator for CMDA, Christian Medical and Dental Association. Okay, so co- coordinating is what I do. Okay, great. So I figured this would be a great opportunity for people to get to know more about CMDA, and then also just to get to know you. So, how did you end up at Auburn? Why are you sitting in this chair right now? <laughs> Walk yeah. us through. Well, uh, yeah, that's a. I'll give you the the long answer um, and try and make it short. Um, so, yeah, we were um, we were in Peru and had been serving there for uh, seven years and kind of coming to the end of that time doing medical mission work, student ministry with medical students there as well. And as my wife and I began to pray about is our time in Peru kind of coming to an end, we began to sense the Lord was saying yes. And so we began to take some real steps of talking to people in the United States. We thought that maybe settling in the Southeast where our parents, uh, or my parents were anyway, might be the right uh, step. And so through a series of conversations, um, ended up talking to a doctor in Auburn, Alabama, Dr. Stephen Presley, because he had recently begun a small uh, ministry at the uh, new medical school here. And so it was just a a fledgling um, beginning ministry, but there was no one to really give that direction in the time that that it needed. So it began... Uh, Stephen began to pray, and uh, so later we got connected with this guy, and Auburn was praying. We began talking with uh, Stephen and his wife, Leanne, and um, one thing led to another. After probably about maybe two months of talking to them every other week, we felt like the Lord was calling us to Auburn, and so, uh, yeah, that was in 2016 that we transitioned uh, from Cusco, Peru, to Auburn, Alabama, and began to learn the Auburn culture and begin to do ministry and life and work here. So that's great. So how did y'all even end up at Peru or deciding that you wanted to do medical missions? Walk us through that. Yeah. So I have to step back a little bit further on that. So when I was in college, um, I became a Christian. I grew up in the church and knew the stories of the Bible. And, but when I was a freshman in college, I really began to, um, be confronted with my morality that was not holding me anymore, with my trying to follow rules, and I was breaking a lot of it and was, was aware of that. Um, life was beginning to get harder, even though on the outside everything looked good, and there was actually someone who was evangelizing my freshman dorm, and uh, I was really uh, initially put off by the fact that someone was evangelizing me, someone who grew up in the church, but really God's Spirit began to work in my life. And I began to uh, read the Bible and really uh, listen to the Lord and I came to know Jesus as my Savior, and that just changed everything. So the next four years, I I sought every opportunity I could to um, be in fellowship with Christians who really wanted me to to walk with Jesus. I began to really look up to people who were older than me and who were living for the kingdom, be it missionaries, be it campus ministers— be it just local people in the community who love Jesus. And uh, that led me to be a part of a cross-cultural trip to Bangkok, Thailand. 
And so on that trip to Bang in Bangkok, Thailand, I was able to observe uh, students who were bowing down to um, to images, to spirit houses. Um, it's a Buddhist country, and I was just at very impacted how the rest of the world doesn't have opportunity to hear the gospel. So is really there in Bangkok, Thailand, um, right after I had finished my senior year of college and was preparing to go to PT school, that I really felt like the Lord was calling me to give my life to Him in whatever manner He would want to use it. And at that moment, I thought it was overseas missions. So fast forward a little bit, went to physical therapy school, continued to have this call in my heart to serve the Lord with everything that I had. Um, and so I was going to have a degree in physical therapy. I ended up in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, took a job at the teaching hospital there as a staff physical therapist. Ended up in a great uh, PCA church there, First Presbyterian Augusta. And there was a medical ministry that I began getting involved with. Um, and from there, I began going on short-term mission trips and that passion for serving people who didn't have opportunities to hear the gospel and using uh, healthcare medicine as an avenue to do that really just kept growing in me. Um, and so at some point I let, met my wife, Brooke, during that time of being in Augusta. And she, God was also, uh, she had come into Christ in college as well. And we began, we got married. Um, before we got married, we were praying like, God, where would you use us? How could we use our lives? And after being about, married about a year, we uh, began taking steps to go overseas. And um, anyway, in 2010, ended up in Costa Rican language school. In 2011, ended up in Cusco, Peru. So that's kind of how we ended up in Peru. And so talk about that experience, like being in Peru. What were y'all doing there specifically with your ministry? And then just what was like the culture? Because you guys, had, you, y'all had children at that point in Peru. Did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a... I look back now and I have no idea how we did it because I look at people raising kids now and uh, even looking at our church and I see the the um, parents taking care of their little ones and, uh, and it's hard enough doing it here in some sort of way we figured out how to do that in the third world. Um, so yeah, we, we went to Costa Rica for a year for language school and we had a, a six-week-old and uh, maybe almost two-year-old, three-year-old and so we had a lot of little babies and uh, so it was really hard. Um, and is that just a full time year of just learning the language? That's right. So it was a, we did. We're in morning in the mornings. We're in classes in the afternoons. Um, we were doing homework and just trying to to survive as foreigners in in another land. And was that majority missionaries that were? It taking was. It's a missionary missionary training school there. Um, so yeah, it was hard. But there's always really sweet things um, that we found in, in following the Lord. We grew really close in the community with the other um, people that went with us. And that's something I'd like to add to the story is we left in 2010, as I said, to go to Costa Rica for language school along with four other families. So we were all in the same church there in Augusta, Georgia. And when my wife and I felt led to go to the mission field, we began to share with others, hey, we really feel like to do this well, we should do it as a team. And so God raised up four other families in healthcare to uh, go to Costa Rica with us. So we were five families there together. So the sweet part was we were with a team. We were with we had deep fellowship because things were hard. Buying groceries was difficult. It was we would lock uh, oh me about two iron gates on our front door and the big padlocks and chains going bed at night because people broke in and stole things. Uh, but the 
sweet part of that was seeing the Lord provide for us, keep us safe, and we grew really close with our team and with other missionaries. And uh, there's just sweetness in the relationship with the Lord when you follow Him. And um, sometimes that means taking a step that feels more difficult to our creature comforts, like moving to the third world. But um, I've also seen, and just in my experience here, that sometimes it's maybe not a step like that, but any step of faith, there's going to be a cost. But the nearness of the Lord allowed us to do that well and to, to find joy in it. So uh, a year there, then we went to, to Peru, and that was another, um, another shock, sort of going to Costa Rican culture to Peruvian culture. Now we had some language, though, and so that was encouraging to know that you could begin to communicate with the people. And, uh, yeah, slowly begin to sow seeds uh, on the healthcare campus there in Cusco. We began to um, build a clinic, and teams from the U.S. came and helped us build the clinic uh, larger. There's a tiny Mission to the World clinic there, and we were able to, uh, to build that and have more services. And so it's also... Uh, you know, I have a bit of a sort of a pioneering spirit, I think, is the way that God made me. So all of those ways that God made me, I was able to really enjoy of doing something where no one else was doing it. To have to realize that either God provides the resources or it just doesn't happen. And to see him to provide every step of the way, I think, really was, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything because... Um, I was able just to live in a way that God had uniquely designed me to live in, in uh, my wife and our kids for those years that uh, have changed us forever in our relationship with him. So, What do you think your kids got away from like living in a third world country to begin their lives and seeing their parents being so committed to their faith in their youth? Like, what do you think the lessons they took away from that? Yeah, um, that's a, a great question. I do think that one of my biggest fears... Um, will before going was, what about my kids? Are they going to suffer because of this? And um, and that was definitely a question of people around you is like, are, are, how are your kids going to be? But people who I talked to who are, who are missionaries who had lived that life of raising their kids in another culture actually said, your, your kids are going to benefit incredibly because of this experience. And that, that would be what I would say for my kids. Um, I think my kids uh, look back now and they really understand um, what life is about, that we have a, a call to, um, to serve others. And um, I think they understood as being a minority in those years, they have, a, uh, I think, a heart for people who are different than them. They have uh, compassion in ways that I never probably could have taught them, but they just lived in some situations where they were you know, the minority, and so they experienced some of those feelings that others may have had against them. So I think they have right. empathy towards uh, people that are different than them. Um, I think that they um, saw how other people live in the world and and uh, that impacted them. And so we lived among people who were poor. So those conversations still come up. And I think it's going to change you know, what they're going to do. I hope it will as they go through college and they take their careers. And, and I think it just will have changed them so deeply that they'll be a better missionary than, than I would have ever been for that experience. So be a missionary is the top of the Parenting 101 manual for <laughs> Well, it, it helped out in our experience, I think. We'll say the jury's still out on that. Right. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who's a college student or a young married couple that is trying to figure out if God's calling them to the mission field? Like, what do you think they yeah. should be trying to work through? Um, the first thing I would say would be to take the next step. 
And I think that advice was given to us. I think that um, when the Lord uh, calls you to something or you think he's calling you to something that is in line with Scripture, I believe um, that the right answer to that young person is take a step towards that. Um, for that young couple who may be praying, that step may be, I'm going to go to a mission conference this year. There's missions conferences every spring um, time in, in a lot of the churches in, in the southeast at least, or maybe all over the United States, go to a, a mission conference. Um, another step could be whenever missionaries come to your church or whenever you have opportunity to go and have a meal with a missionary or have coffee with a missionary, to go and, and spend time with them and really ask them about their decision, ask them about the costs, ask them about the joys, um, the fears, all those things. And I think it just allows the person to really um, discern the Lord's voice. And also, to um, there'll be a lot of other voices that we hear when we're going to step into a hard place because uh, the enemy is going uh, is gonna to encourage us towards things that could really take us far away from what God would want. So I just think, take a step of obedience, and after that one's taken, take another one, and then take another one. And if the Lord is leading that direction, those steps of obedience will lead to that particular place. Right. So That's great. One thing that's really fascinating to me, because I come from Birmingham and now I'm living in Auburn, is like I've just am immersed in the Southern cultural, like Christian faith. And so was it tough coming from living like radically as a missionary and raising your kids in that environment to now coming to Auburn where 99% of people are going to already know the name of Christ and already know that he died for their sins. Like, was that an adjustment for y'all? And how did, how did you handle that? Yeah. Um, it, it definitely was an adjustment and, um, and it was really hard. You know, they talk about there's a culture shock when you move to a new culture and there's a reverse culture shock when you come back. And for me, the reverse culture shock coming back to the United States was much harder and hit me across the, the, the back of the head uh, harder than I could ever imagine. Um, so, yeah, it took a while to, to kind of um, figure out um, who I was again. I, I knew I was a, a child of God, but to understand that call again, because as you said, um, the South overall is at least uh, religious, and then how do I take um, these, these, these things that I've learned, these experiences of sort of walking out your door every day and realizing there's very few Christians around you, and every place you go, you feel feel like a missionary, and then to come back here and know that I'm still a missionary because I'm a, a child of, of God, and then to live that out um, in this context. It, it, it took a while. Um, so I, I think I, I learned a lot. I think just as we went to Peru, we had to learn the culture. We had to understand how they think. Um, we had to learn their language. We had to learn their food. We had to, to learn their idols, uh, the things that they um, worship other than Christ. I think I've just had to come back and do the same here and be reminded of my own idols, of the own things, my own things that I tend to, to worship here in this culture. So it was humbling uh, for sure. And I definitely dealt, dealt with a critical spirit, but I think that uh, critical spirit was uh, something I had to deal with personally that I, that I trust now um, that I'm better for reaching the medical students that I, that I meet with every day here. So Was it tough 
like coming back to this super like material culture and people complaining all the time about the the little things that they do have or c- concerns about football games more than actually like lost souls. Was it hard to not just want to smack them back? In the it, it was, it, it, it was. Um, and, uh, but just with, uh, with time, I think we're, we're able to, you know, we joined a tailgate and it's not really something that I wanted, wanted to do, but I just knew I needed to enter back into my culture and, um, and, and do that well. So I just entered into the things that we were, were doing, that people were doing here, and so that I could be available uh, for ministry. Uh, I do remember coming back, Will, and um, that was one of the joys of living overseas, is you think a lot less about material things, because I went from uh, being one of the you know richer people, I'm sure, on my street, to having plenty, and everything cost very little. And so... I just, I didn't want as much because the people around me uh, were digging through the trash to get Mm -hmm. food. Um, There was lots of need around us. Well, a lot of us like look at the missionary lifestyle and we idolize it a lot. Mm -hmm. And we think like, that's what it looks like to be a real true Christian. Like you're in the trenches. What do you say to the 20 year old college student or to the person who's lived their whole life in Auburn that's trying to be faithful, that wants to live a true genuine life of Christ but feels like they're not doing enough because mm-hmm. they're not in the, you know, the deserts. They're not in the trenches. They're not um, in Africa. Well, how, help us through some of that. Yeah, that's a, a great um, question. And I, I think it's so important um, to really understand um, God's love for you, um, number one. And I think just that's where I feel like going to a church that really just uh, – teaches uh, the gospel so well is so critical because that'll help you um, to be a missionary where you are. I think there is a part of uh, people who are wired, like probably most Americans, to work harder, to do more, and those who work the hardest and do the most kind of rise to the top. And that's just not the way that works with our relationship with Jesus. And so I would just encourage um, people just to be faithful right where they are if they're a student um, going to Auburn um, to just be faithful and getting to know the people around them, to be faithful and uh, knowing that those are divine appointments, those people around them, to be faithful and building relationships with those people to the end that each person around them would know Jesus. So I would just encourage faithfulness. I can definitely say um, that um, I'm as much of a missionary here and feel the encouragement from the Holy Spirit as much here in an affluent city like Auburn as I as I ever did uh, living in a poor place like Cusco, Peru, um, where they speak a different language and it's a totally different culture. Um, because I, I think I have learned that what the Lord wants from us is just faithfulness. And so that's the word that I would give to the businessman, to the, to the student, um, to the retiree, right. just just be faithful where you are, and, and if the Lord is calling to go to a harder place, and He and He is calling some to do that, I think it's right for someone who's retired or someone who's a student or in high school to be, um, be willing to go, um, but also to be willing to stay. And I think most are probably not probably supposed to go. God calls some to go to another hard place, and but I think the majority are supposed to be faithful where they are, but uh, just taking steps either way and being a missionary where you are. Right. 
And so now you are the coordinator for CMDA, Christian Medical and Dental Association. So talk to us about CMDA. What do y'all do? Um, what are you trying to do here at Auburn with the medical students? And what are sort of your day-to-day, what is your day-to-day operations looking like? Yeah. So our, our vision statement is uh, training new generations of doctors to be healers in Jesus' name to bring the gospel to the world. And so uh, what, what we're doing is trying to meet medical students uh, right where they are in their first year of medical school, trying to provide um, ways for them to hear the gospel for those who are not Christians, for those who do come in as believers, to try to find ways to help them understand that uh, being a doctor is a call from God. It's a call from God to go and be his hands and feet to each patient that they care for for the rest of their rest of their lives. So how do we do that? How do we go about accomplishing our vision? Um, we have uh, events on campus. We had one two weeks ago with the, as 160 or so new med students showed up. We're trying to reach as many of those as we could to come to a dinner that we had at, at VCOM. Um, and also the second year students were there. And we had about 100 people there. We had a speaker, a local physician, Dr. Dale Crosby, and he gave a message uh, about his experience of being in medical school, his experience of being a, a doctor, and his experience of serving the poor. And so the idea of that was to help these new students hear that there's a higher call to being a doctor than to just uh, making a living and having nice things and a nice salary, but it's a call from the Lord to go and to know Him and to go and serve Him. So we have big events like that, and then we have uh, Monday morning prayer. And Monday morning prayer is at a student's house. Usually we're at a student's apartment right now. And at that event, is usually going to attract uh, Christians, people who've come in and maybe have come to medical school thinking, I, I want to use my uh, degree, my being a doctor, to serve the Lord somewhere. And so those people uh, show up there and we begin praying together. Uh, it also can become a place where people who are maybe seekers can show up because they're like, why is my roommate at 7 o'clock going to prayer in, in uh, every Monday morning. So we definitely have some that show up there uh, out of curiosity and end up praying with a group of very committed people. So it's also been a place to, where outsiders have, have come in. We have a weekly Bible study. actually meets tonight. It meets every Wednesday night. And uh, we are going through the attributes of God right now. So different physicians in the community are teaching that. Dr. Presley is teaching it tonight. And uh, we invite uh, broadly to that. We get probably mostly Christians, but I'm, I'm sure that there's a 10 to 20% who are more seekers who show up to that. We have food on the front end of that time. And so uh, that's kind of to build some fellowship, also just to draw some people in to get a free meal. And then we have a little Bible study. We split up into small groups. And then uh, we'll have other um, retreats and events. And our final uh, event that we have was the one that, Will, you participated in, is our uh, SMI, Summer Medical Institute, where we usually go to another country this year because of the pandemic. We did it locally, where we have a discipleship training week where we live together, where we serve the poor together, where we have uh, discipleship training in the evenings, prayer and worship in the morning. So it's really a sort of a culmination of a year of studying the Bible together, a year of evangelizing the students together, and invite those who God has raised up to go and do something for the kingdom, for Jesus together, and sort of as a way for them to begin to see, this this could be me. I could be the doctor who lives daily and uh, caring for my patients, sharing Christ with my patients, 
and providing excellent care. So those are some of the things that we do to try to accomplish our vision. All right, that's awesome. Do you see any challenges ministering to medical students, like as opposed to ordinary uh, students or um, for people that are from different countries? Is there something unique about medical students that makes it a hard mission field, do you feel like? Um, yeah, there's, there's several things. One, they're just really smart. <laughs> so, and uh, sometimes too smart uh, for themselves to, to uh, you know, medical students have, they're, they really, they're the uh, cream of the crop as far as uh, being able to take tests and do well. And so um, sometimes it's hard to get that person to understand how much they need to be, to be shaped and to have others to, to help them. Um, so that, that's definitely a challenge. Um, that being said, it's one of the things that really works uh, for us, in a sense, in quotation marks, um, is that they get here and they've done really well and they're the cream of the crop and they show up in a classroom with people just like them and all of a sudden they become a bit insecure. Um, why? Because they realize they're not the smartest in the classroom anymore. So we really try to reach the students early on when they're um, a bit, um, you know, the rug has been snatched out from under them, their pride maybe a little bit. Mm. And so it is a challenge, but also um, the rigors of medical school, um, people begin to look up for help. And so we li- I like to um, be available when those moments come to, to invite people in. So, so that is a challenge, that they're, they're really bright um, it's also a huge um, opportunity because these these uh, kids who are going to become doctors, they're going to make a big difference in the world. They're going to become leaders. Um, and to take someone who's a first-year medical student, let's say, who doesn't know Jesus, and then they have an encounter with Jesus that changes their world upside down, and now they have a new reason for why they're even in medicine. And now they have a, begin to hear from Jesus. They begin to read the Word. Um what good, is, if, what good is it if a man gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? And they begin to carry that into their own lives and how they would study, how they would choose a residency, how they would choose uh, a wife, a husband or a wife, um, what kind of job they would take, how they would have each encounter with a patient. Now they see their patients as someone who, who can know Jesus and they could be an, an extension of Jesus' hands and feet with every patient. So, it's a, it's a challenge, but what an opportunity that we have with these really bright students that come come to Auburn every year. Right. Well, what a blessing it is that medical students here at Auburn get the chance to have someone who will share the gospel with them and will disciple them. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to say with that, uh, I'm glad that I can be here as well. And, and the, one of the neat things about uh, being here in Auburn is it's a very, um, um, it's been a very partnering city for us. And so there are so many other people that... Um, are not maybe officially CMDA that, that, that make this happen. So there's just a, a lot of doctors in the community and, and others, uh, teachers um, who um, have really been involved. And so we've had a team this, uh, this, that had the same vision that's reaching out to the students. So I'm very thankful for um, these people. Oh, that's great. Well, David, thank you so much for your time and thank you for answering my persistent questions and for sitting down with us and telling us more about CMDA. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Enjoyed getting to share this this morning. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to the Crossroads Podcast and we'll see you all at the next episode.